Hey, Suns fans, shoosh, settle down. It's the preseason. We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. All right. Welcome to the Suns Jam Session podcast on the Bright Side of the Sun Podcast Network. Make sure you follow the podcast at Suns Jam on Instagram and Twitter. And subscribe, rate, and review us. You know, if you're listening to this on the Bright Side Network, we appreciate that. If you're watching on YouTube, go ahead and just smash that thumbs up button, subscribe to the pod, uh, and make sure you follow both me and Matthew on Twitter at Darth Voida and at Matthew Lissy. Matthew, how are you doing, man? Welcome to the Suns Jam Session Podcast. What's up, dude? Uh, I'm here to say, don't shoosh, shoosh freely as you will. I just. I love the speaking of the Suns. Uh, fans, just let it be known, dude. If you're upset with anybody on the team, you can say whatever the hell you want, dude. And they have a good game the next day. Who cares? Listen, Do it again. I'm, this is what I'll tell you, okay? I'm not Bill Simmons to where whatever you say, I'll just automatically agree with. I say, shoot, yeah. settle down, fellas. It's going to be okay. <laughs> like, everybody's jumping off a bridge, you know, after the Jazz game about yeah. DeAndre Ayton. And then the next game, he comes out and – you see with a little coaching from Monty Williams and a lot of coaching from Chris Paul, he comes out and dominates. I mean, guess what? This is going to happen to a third-year player. It's going to be okay, guys. Settle down. I mean, I guess that's my one burning question for you, Matthew. Should people settle down with their hating on Aiton? No, I don't think so. I think as a fan base, we have the right to expect more. Just like everybody on that coaching staff, all the players surrounding him expect more. It's something that is going to continue, I feel like, this season. But we need to put the pressure on him. He needs that pressure. If we didn't care, then he would know and just, you know, casually walk through the season. We are here just to say, you know what? We expect, we know what you can do. We've seen it. So just be consistent about it. There's nothing wrong with doing that. So if he has a bad game, everyone has a bad game. But if there's a few games in a row this year or maybe three or four games where he's just not giving it, then it's going to be the same thing where the next day everyone in Arizona is speaking about Aiden and just expecting more. And there's nothing wrong with that. So instead of shoosh season, you're saying sign up for roller coaster season, right? Yeah, up and down, up and down. Yeah, it's his third year. So it is going to be up and down. And I expect that. And we're going to well, roll with it, but it's fine. I, but we'll still talk about okay, it. Okay. Okay. Well, I won't agree with you like Bill Simmons does, but I will <laughs> I will allow it. Okay. I'll okay. allow it. It's roller, it. roller coaster season. I'll have to rename this pod to roller coaster season because that's what we're on board for. That's what's going to happen, Phoenix Suns fans. I mean, what we're going to talk about on this podcast, obviously, are the two preseason games that happened this past week, one against the Utah Jazz up in Utah, and then last night against the world champion Los Angeles Lakers. So just between those two preseason games, you have plenty of uh, roller coaster of emotions going on. So that's what we'll talk about. We'll get into a little mailbag, and we'll see uh, We'll see what else we get into. All right? Sound good, Matthew? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All this right. Time. Well, let's uh, pop them if you got them, Suns fans. Hope you're... I did, and I popped it early. I'm such a... <sighs> Rookie mistake. Rookie, dude. We've only dude. been doing this Amateur. podcast for over 100 pods, I and you're know. still I'll, popping I'll still cheers with you, though. All right. So <laughs> pop them open. Oh, man. It's, a, it's not a twist. Oh, damn. <laughs> Cut. God. Cut the scene. Uh, live TV. <laughs> Son of a we bitch. messed up too bad. Oh well. Matthew popped, Matthew popped early. Uh, mine's a mine's a is a. I don't have a twist off, so uh, yeah. I'll I'll figure it hate out. Hate on us. Yeah, hate, hate on us. Uh, it, it's shoe season for myself, I guess. But uh, cheers, Suns fans. Thanks for joining us. Let's talk Phoenix Suns.
All right. Well, the Suns played the Utah Jazz on the other night. I popped it off, by the way. I just used the desk. So, hey, good job. Yeah, cha- champions <laughs> adjust there. So, Suns played the Jazz the other night. Uh, we finally had an opportunity to see CP3 as a member of the Phoenix Suns wearing that purple jersey up in Utah. Uh, Jalen Smith sticks got his first start, albeit in a preseason game. What what were your thoughts going into that Jazz game, Matthew? Well, you know, it was just to expect whoever was playing, just expect them to be tired. You know, a lot of them look like they're out there and they're just hydrating on uh, Capri Suns. That's what it looks like. Everyone was just exhausted. Well, there's one guy, Aiden, looked terribly exhausted, but the rest of the guys, yes. you know, were exhausted too. Aiden just lets you know, you know, he's just that charismatic where he'll he'll be that way to where you know he's freaking tired. But the rest of the team didn't play too much. I mean, CP3 was only in 4-4 minutes, so I expected that too, but... Right away, I mean, you saw the pick and roll. You saw these. You saw these plays where I've never seen before in my life being a Suns fan since Steve Nash, and that was just amazing. And I didn't expect that right away, but we got that right away. It wasn't consistent, but right right off the bat, man, you can see CP3 making a difference. Well, it was it was exciting right off the bat because of CP3 being in there and seeing the rookie come in and play some of that power forward position. And you're like, okay, this is going to be fun and exciting. The new era has begun in Phoenix. And then nobody yeah. could score. I mean, both both sides. I mean, it was just a very low-scoring first half. Uh, Sticks ends up getting three early fouls. And I think that that's one thing that he's really going to have to work on with his game is learning that body control and, and where he can be and what he can get away with in the NBA. Because a couple of those fouls were him just trying to fight through screens. And something we talked yeah. about a little bit on the last podcast. One thing I wrote about on a, in a recent article for bright side of the sun was just that. I mean, this kid's got the aggressiveness that you want everything that people can kind of consistently have a problem with Deandre Ayton and his, his, his fire and his willing to fight through things. You know, like you said, fatigue, you could tell this guy was gas and he made, you know, no attempt to hide it sticks to somebody who might've been tired and you wouldn't know. Cause he was fighting and he was trying to get through screens and doing things of that nature. But unfortunately he was getting those kind of, uh, those fouls on him. And then each Moore was the first off the bench. And I got to say through the first, like three games, I'm still learning to love each Moore. I mean, that's what the preseason is preseason is for. It's an opportunity for Monty to really go deep into that bench, especially knowing that we have some of our starters out, see what they're capable of, see how they mesh with the team, allow those players to develop chemistry with their other members of the, of the team. But it's also an introduction to us to on who these guys really are. And Etwan Moore, somebody who hasn't really impressed me as of yet. What about you, Matthew? Yeah. I mean, he's kind of like the odd man out. Etwan Moore, I feel like a little bit right now, but that can switch. It can. I mean, even from Damian Jones, we're seeing a lot too. Second game, this game, he didn't show too much, but then we'll talk about later. The Lakers game, he kind of came back and had a pretty good game. But Etwan Moore is not really getting it going. I think he only had, what, two points in that game? He was one for six. So he never really got it going, but uh, I'm not expecting too much right now out of the bench. I think right now too, especially with Cam being injured, or if they're even injured, but Sarge isn't even there yet either. So you need those guys really just to have the full group, I think, producing. But Honestly, from what we're seeing from Etwan Moore, I I don't expect I just don't know too much about the guy yet. I mean, I can see like he's a little bit slower than a lot of the guys out there. He really takes his time with things, but he's not knocking down the shots. But that's okay. Jalen Smith, though, I feel like he is I love the fact that even if he messes up, even if he gets to the rim and he commits the foul, he still tries. He's trying more than like a Mikhail Bridges, where Bridges is like you have to like 
you have to like every other game it's like come on dude just you know you can get to the rim and we see it here and there but Jalen Smith seems like the guy where he doesn't care he's gonna do what he wants he's gonna make up his mind either take it to the to the rim even though he's a little bit slower pass it out or take the jump shot or even shoot the three so there's a lot to expect from this guy and he's he's gonna be consistent with it I think I'm I'm excited to see his development and what he brings to the table. I really am. Uh, Blaze Megatron in the chat. It seems like Sticks will get real minutes this season, and I, I believe that. You know, he yeah. even though he's going to be the rookie on the team, him and Tyshawn Alexander, he is due to his size and his ability as a wing. Even you know a six foot ten, almost six foot eleven guy who is moving the way that he does and is fighting the way that he does. To your point, Matthew. I mean, he's he's making the most of his minutes and. That's what you want to see. You want to see aggressiveness. You want to see heart and desire, and you want to see consistency. And you know, although his shot has been off, I mean, he had a really bad game against the Lakers. Um, I think I don't know if he even made a three in that game. In all honesty, but he kept shooting. No. And and what I like is his his jump shot form, uh, his willingness to take them. And I know that if he continues to work hard, which it seems like he's kind of that guy is those things are going to start to fall for him. You know, if he's around the Jay Crowders of the world, the guy who lives outside on the perimeter, things are going to start to really play out for the rookie. You know, he had 27 points against or 27 minutes against the Lakers, five points, 0 for five from downtown, one from six from the field. So didn't have a great statistical game, but he still is willing to, to put up the shots. And, and I appreciate that now where I feel like he's going to have a lot of area of opportunity for growth is going to be his defense, man. When I watch his defense, he he's lost on the court. He's Bambi out there looking around wide eyed, you know, collapsing on just whoever the nearest guy is him uh, to him, not following switches and leaving shooters wide open, having to break late on him. I mean, that's where you're really going to see Jalen Smith have an opportunity to grow. Whereas I feel like his offensive game, I mean, I've seen him go left. I've seen him go right. I've seen him go at contact. I've seen him shoot. And I'm impressed with his offensive game. It's that defensive game that he's really going to have to work on. Yeah, defense, schmefense. You know, if that's the only thing that we have to complain about this guy, he'll eventually get it. No one, I mean, look at Devin Booker. This year is probably the finally the first year maybe where he improves his defense. Defense was never anything. He's an all-star already. But I'm not saying Jalen Smith's going to be an all-star, but it's something I'm, I'm not too worried about. I think he's going to know where to be on the defensive side, especially with your playing, when you're playing with the defense or the second unit. It's going to take a little time too. I mean, if he's starting, that's fine. It might happen down the line, but you you know, like the starting five, like they have that group with Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Chris Paul, like they all have that base of the defense already intact every night. They know how to play with each other. When you're coming in off the bench, I feel like it might be a little bit mi more miscues than normal, which I'm fine with that. But yeah, Jalen Smith, dude, I think you were saying he was 0 for 5, but like I expected more when I looked at the box score because I'm like, I feel like this guy produced even more, but he didn't show it in the box score, but he's just always there. It seemed like making the right plays, dude. I think he honestly has a chance to to be like a 10 and what, five guy this year, something like that, 10 points, five rebounds, which I like is like- how you're trying to lowball it now after your uh, Mikhail Bridges fiasco oh, yeah 15 and <laughs> what 15 and 8 yeah, yeah. with Jalen smith dude and what's funny is i for some reason i keep thinking like Jalen smith looks a little bit like mikhail on the floor is that weird to say especially the way he takes it to the rim that might be weird i know mikhail's longer but just the body type is more like mikhail than i thought it would be but that's just my first impression with him with the first three games 
yeah, I don't feel like you're wrong necessarily because he does have that length to him. You know, I think it's what seven, one or two is what his wingspan is. I mean, he's long. That's James Jones. Apparently prototype is he likes those, you know, wings who have that length to him. I think that he obviously, it feels like a little bit more authoritative when he takes it to the basket due to his size compared to Mikel Bridges. But I do kind of see that comparison. Now, obviously where Mikel has him is his d- defense without a doubt. I mean, Mikel is one thing I've been, really watching this uh, this preseason is to see if there's any noticeable jump in McHale's game. And I'm already starting to see it, you know, on his catch and shoot threes, his uh, willingness to, you know, hit that corner and, and take those shots. But on defense, he just, you know, his positioning is, is something to fall in love with truly. I mean, he is uh, just fantastic the way he plays. There was an offensive set against Utah where he had kind of a bad uh, offensive set and he didn't finish the way that he wanted to. And this is, again, you know, we've talked about it when the CP3 trade happened and we were excited about it. Now it's something that we're seeing is the CP3 coaching on the sideline. And I saw him sitting there talking to Mikhail Bridges. And then, I mean, the conversations we're seeing him have with DeAndre Ayton, you know, DeAndre Ayton's kind of got that goofy, you know, look on his face where he's just have out there having a good time. And CP3's on the yeah. sideline, like being like, and even Imani's like, dunk the ball. I mean, he said that after once where he, one where he laid it up. And, and you're starting to see that that coaching from Monty being more assertive this year because he knows these guys and he knows his team and CP three being, you know, peer to peer being like, Hey, I want you to be more aggressive. Yeah. And you saw it going into the Lakers game where he had a different look on his face. He totally did. And I mean, CP three has the right. Monty has, has the right to really get in his face and tell him like, dunk the ball. You're not Boris Diaw, dude. You're going to have to dunk the ball against these guys. You're going to be playing against some well-athletic big men in the Western Conference. He, I mean, we'll talk about Lakers game in a little bit, but he had some great plays in that game, but he just needs that reminder, a constant reminder until it's just something where it's just going to be easy for him. But there's nothing wrong with that, dude. I love it. I love how it's every player on this team is being coached all game long cp3 to me is one of the funniest players to watch because it's just him walking up and down the court going to timeouts before it would bump the shit out of you right i Every know when, when he was on the other team yes exactly but now it's just so cute and it's so funny dude to watch him because he's just like he's not a little guy but he's just the dude that's like i don't know i just i get so jollied from it all for, with him i don't know i just i love it dude I'm yeah. jollied. <laughs> well, well, and that's what made that jazz game so fun is you finally got to see number three for the Phoenix Suns playing and you know, setting up uh DeAndre Ayton. And you wrote about it for Brightside today about how you know the, the pick and roll is back in, in Phoenix. And he's putting the ball where even DeAndre, I think the first time he made that kind of uh left-handed pass down to him. I mean, DeAndre mm-hmm. was was he, he looked at his hands. He's like, oh my God, I got the basketball. And he's like, put it up and in. And it's going to be that easy. And for DeAndre, it's going to be that consistent, constant coaching. You know, as you mentioned, like he's going to need that reminder. Well, guess what? You have the right guys there to remind him constantly and consistently throughout this entire year. That's going to be the yeah. fun part about this. You know, the DeAndre and ride mirrors the Devin Booker ride. We talked about this on the last podcast is you know, when you looked at Devin Booker's game in year two and year three, there were so many opportunities for him, so many things that he could do better. We felt, you know, he lacked that consistency. And then he kind of put it all together last year. And then the bubble, it really all came together. And you're like, okay, polished, mm-hmm. complete Devin Booker. We've, everybody loves him so much. You know, his jersey hangs behind me for a reason because we've gone through those battles and we've watched those 
you know, those moments that made the man who he is and made the player who he is. Now we're going through that with DA. And guess what? This guy has the ability to be a first team NBA and potentially a first or second team all defensive NBA player. And we're starting to slowly see some of that come out. Now, again, the frustrating side of it is what happens on days like, you know, when we played the Jazz. And that's when he puts up like four points and his effort is very lackadaisical, especially on weak side defense. And you want to pull your hair out. Now, granted, I'm bald, so I pulled beard hair out. And you sit there and you're just like, come on, man. Like, you just let the guard, you know, there's that one play where Javon Carter gets blown by and DA's got the weak side defense, but he doesn't want to leave Gobert. So he just stands there and watches him. And like, Javon Carter starts barking at him. You know, the Bulldogs barking and there's, he had reason to do so. Yeah, and I like that part too of the game where Javon Carter was like letting him have it a little bit. You saw CB3 about to turn around and say something, but he saw Javon was kind of handling it. So I love that. I love how they just didn't like double down on him, like getting in his face. It was just like one guy at a time. And there were just a lot of plays on there where he just didn't put forth the effort. That's what I'm saying. We can go on here and say like, we expect more. We're not saying he's going to suck and that he does suck. We're saying that there's a lot of pick and rolls where he had the opportunity to roll, did not roll in time. There's just a lot of opportunity for him to really even, you know, get that, get that rebound, uh, set the screen, right. You know, there was just a lot of laziness out there and he was just tired and he was tired, but the whole team was tired. Yes, they but you were. didn't see, you didn't see from the other players giving up on plays like he was. There's just things that we're used to seeing him dominate in, and he just took the time. He just took the night off for a lot of those plays. That's why a lot of people were upset. That's why this whole place was turned upside down, basically here in Phoenix, Arizona. Well, and just the Phoenix fan base across the world. I mean, because Twitter was an f- interesting night that night. Watching Suns yeah. Twitter, you know, just kind of just rail on Da and his lack of. Um, intensity accountability uh willingness you know it's it that's the other side of the coin you know you have great nights against the like you you see against the lakers and you have shitty nights like what happened against utah you know one thing i will remind people is the suns are playing two teams that were you know top what, what was utah were they the, the four seed last year in the in the playoffs or were they the five seed i think it was five or four but they it was meant- a, but it was a tie yeah it yep. was a tie they won a tiebreaker yeah. they lost a tiebreaker but the, the four games that we're playing, two are against the defending champions, and the other two are against you know the Utah Jazz, who were the four or five seed. I don't remember. I mean, yeah. like we're playing really good teams out there, and you know I saw somebody you know the, one of the cons was we're zero and three. Remember this, Suns fans, we're zero and zero. We've yet to play a game that actually counts. Okay, yeah. These these are opportunities to get the legs under the guys. These are opportunities to develop chemistry. Again, shoosh, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, but there, there's a few hiccups too. Last night, great game by DA, great great game by the offense. But you saw them going up against the Lakers in some of the, some of the game. I think it was the first half where they just couldn't make anything. The Lakers were just killing them. And it took really till the second half for them to come back. But I just think we can – I think there's a lot they can work on, obviously, especially Jay Crowder coming in for the first time against the Lakers. So, um, I mean – I don't know. I just, I like where we're heading. I mean, there's a lot of promise, so there's nothing to be worried about really. Now, a couple things that I'm, I'm semi worried about knowing that in the Utah game, we didn't have Jay Crowder. There's no Sarch uh, cam didn't play, but I, I also noticed this against the Lakers as well as well. And, and they have a bigger front court. So uh, it's the, the poor offensive rebounding. I really, you know, have yet to see the Suns crash the offensive glass 
in any way, shape, or form thus far. Now, granted, when the regular season begins and we we start playing, you know, like when we go up against the Sacramento Kings, I feel like Jalen Smith, if he's in the game, is going to have uh, more of affinity to perhaps go after a rebound or two, considering he was uh, second in the Big Ten in rebounding at Maryland last season. Uh, but I, I'm really interested to see if they start to pick up the intensity on the on the glass because a lot of it's one and done. A lot of it's going down, you know, if, and seen as they're playing from behind most of the time, you know, it's in a deficit. So it's a chucked up yeah. three and possession's over. And again, again, in Utah, we had two offensive rebounds. Uh, when we played against the Lakers last night, albeit, you know, going against a front court that is just, I mean, they're huge. I mean, you have Mark Gasol's there now with LeBron James, with Anthony Davis. You know, the Suns mustered 11 offensive rebounds, but a lot of those came up. Uh, a lot of those were late as they only had two in the first half. You know, did you notice that or do you have any concerns on our offensive rebounding or is it just preseason? I should shoosh. No, you're you're fine about talking about that, but offensive rebounding isn't really something I focus too much on in the game. It does suck the one and done, but the whole defensive rebounding, I feel like has just improved so much over the years to where I'm just grateful that the other team can go one and done. We don't give up a lot of offensive rebounds on the other end. Usually this year, it shouldn't be that way. I think that the offensive rebound thing is it's a technique. It's like, you know, Dennis Rodman, like, shooting his arm this way, you know, however he can see the the hoop. But you can see a lot of the players, every time a shot's taken, they're already by the three-point line ready to go back. That has a lot to do with, I think, maybe when the DA's part of it is him getting back on uh, defense. And, I mean, he always has to run both ways if he's going offense too as well. But I think when, like, CP3, the funniest thing is, like, when CP3 gets a rebound, DA does, and he hands CP3 the ball, CP3's like, go, what are you looking at? Like, that happens a lot. Yeah. Like, will just stand learn. there. Yeah, and I love that. It's just like, get out of here and go down. So maybe just that of just, I want to focus on getting down, I don't know, one end of the court. But the offensive rebounding thing, I don't know. I, you really think it's that big of a deal right now? But, I mean... I don't. I, I want to say it's as a long big as we're not deal right now, but it's just yeah. one of those things that I, I noticed. You know, between that and like our free throw disparity, because also against the Jazz, I mean, the the Suns had seven free throws through three quarters to Utah's thirty five. You know, so that that's one that's of those. Bad. You know, for for the Suns, a team that's been mired in me- mediocrity for the past five years, that's one of the things that consistently drives me crazy is one thing that we've always seen happen is a free throw disparity where the Suns just play sloppy defense to the to the point where they foul too much and they give the other team opportunities to catch their breath and to score points at the same time. And again, that was happening in Utah. And I feel like a lot of that was ticky-tacky fouls. Of course, last night against the Lakers, LeBron does that flyby on, uh, on Mikhail Bridges and doesn't get called for the foul. Whereas, like if the yeah. if the roles were, or if the roles were reversed, I, I saw that like Mikhail Bridges would get like a three year sentence or something. I mean, it's just those are again things that aren't a big deal right now, but things to keep tabs on because to be a complete team, you need to have some semblance of rebounding offensively to prolong your your uh, possessions and to put pressure on the defense mm-hmm. and put pressure on the defense by getting to the line and not letting the other team get to the line. And again, I haven't seen that early in this preseason, but again, it is just the preseason. Yeah. Getting to the free throw line. That's, that's one issue where I think it's more than offensive rebound. I think you can worry about that more because Booker kind of, he kind of, I think in a way improved on that last year with his little outside shot where he like draws a defender to come hit him and he just throws a shot up and that's a foul automatically. So he has that. But you have to worry about DA and a lot of the players underneath to really get to the... Because even Saric, Saric had a hard time getting fouls too as well underneath the hoops. So there's something about being under the rim, trying to get that layup, trying to draw the foul that the Suns have a hard time with. But with Chris Paul on the team too, I don't think we have to say it again, but 
he's going to make sure that we get some of those calls. I feel like, especially with Devin Booker becoming a superstar this year. I mean, we have to get those calls. We have to at least be even in free throw attempts. I feel like with our opponents this year, I'm sitting, I'm sick of getting drowned out by the free throw attempts. It's something that's really disgusting. No, as am I. And I think that, uh, you know, some of the people in the chat, again, thank you anybody who's watching this live with us. If you're on YouTube, please make sure you hit the thumbs up button. And if you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Um, but some of the things that they're saying in the chat is uh, the refs, you know, Blaze Megatron, the refs will need to catch up to the to the idea. The Suns are good now and ref accordingly. And I think that that's, okay. that's with CP3 and now Booker being an all-star. Uh, we got to start getting some respect, you would think, because... You know, it's just interesting to see how one-sided some games feel. And I'll never forget the great Mexico City debacle last season when the Suns went down and played San Antonio and Mexico City. It was one of the worst refereed games I, I ever saw. And, I mean, that yeah. again, that game goes our way the way it should have. And the Suns are in the playoffs last year. I mean, it's it, every game counts. And you can't have – yeah, I know. I always go back to that. Yeah, don't I? You always, every podcast we talk about this. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's like, I mean, it's Great. true, though. I mean, that's how close the Suns were to the playoffs last year. It's like one game. And yeah. in Mexico City, they got fucked. And, and I don't want the refs to do that to us again. I'm tired of it, man. I'm tired of it. I know. Me too, man. Do you, uh, do you have anything else on the Utah Jazz game that you saw that you want to bring up or observations that you want to put forth to the Suns Jamster faithful? Um, nothing too much left, really. I mean, uh, you didn't get to see a whole lot of CP3 later on. I just think the great start by them, but they didn't finish too well, of course. Um, but there was a side too where you saw Booker getting a technical and him even like being um a little bit feisty, you know. So I think he still has that edge to him. You oh, saw he, he always does. And like I just I don't want that to cost him. I think it was in that game or the game before. I didn't think I'd bring this up yet. But Chris Paul, I feel like, kind of went into, like, I think it was after the gold bear hit, after he smacked him in the head. Basically, it should have been, like, a flagrant two. Oh, yeah. In the game. And then, I mean, he, Chris Paul went over to Booker. It looked like, just be like, hey, settle down, dude. You're going to, we have to get back in this game. So, I hope things like that. Now, was that like, Marcus Saul though? That was last yeah, night, yeah. Marcus Saul. Yeah. Oh, was it Marcus Saul? Yeah, sorry. Yeah. See, but I feel like he had the technical against, um, against the Utah Jazz. In this game, he had a little bit more of a temper, too, as well. I just hope he uses that in the right way. So that's another learning thing for Devin Booker. I feel like just to use that and channel it in the right direction instead of like getting the technical, costing your team points. I mean, technicals are going to happen, but like maybe the Suns are up by like 15 or 20. That's fine. But we're so used to where a technical happens and then the whole game turns around. And I just don't want that to happen again this year. Well, and that is, you know, the result of Devin Booker having to carry a team, which he doesn't necessarily have to do. And I think, you know, as a good transition to the Lakers game, that was the starting five that we're most likely going to see moving forward. Okay. You know, yeah. CP3, Devin Booker, Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton. And when you see that lineup out there and you see them start to move the ball and you see that insight into what our future um, could become, you realize Devin Booker is not going to have to carry this team anymore. In fact, it no. frees him up so much more. You know, having Jay Crowder have the ability to make those three pointers, uh, CP3 and DA running the pick and roll, Booker <laughs> gets to take some plays off and he doesn't have to carry everything. Now, he's still going to always have that feisty temper to him. I like that about Devin Booker. Yeah. When, yeah, it, yeah. when, when it's controlled, when you have a team around him who can support him. Cause if he's spouting off and yelling at the refs, like he did in Mexico city, by the way, got a technical foul in street clothes. The debacle. Yeah. The, the Mexico, Mexico city, city debacle. debacle, right? Your next he article was, has to be on that. Unless yeah. You're I, I really should. 
Yeah, <laughs> I really should break that one down. I wasn't writing for Brightside at the time. I yeah. should. I was so. I was. I'll never forget that game. I was at work. I was like. I was high fiving people in the cafeteria back when it was okay to high five people. Uh-huh. And I was like, the Suns won. You know, the Suns. It was like a Saturday, a Saturday night <laughs> or something. And then bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. But anyways, I digress. But um, on the anniversary, you have to write the article. Anniversary this year. Is it a two year? Or, or it's right around year. this time. It was like December last year. Okay. Well, then anniversary is coming up. <laughs> I'll have to take a look. The anniversary right. of the great Mexico City debacle. But to your point, if it's controlled anger and it's used properly, it's going to do mm-hmm. nothing but benefit the team. Because you have CP3 to get in his face and be like, yo, dude, settle down. And he can make his point and then let Chris Paul kind of finish off the refs, if you will. But what were your thir- first initial thoughts when you saw that starting five that we should hopefully become accustomed to seeing throughout this regular season go up against the world champion Los Angeles Lakers? Oh, I thought it was beautiful, dude. I thought, I'm like, this is it. This is the starting five because I think you have to play Crowder, especially the way he came out and played. But I was like, this is nice. Like everyone does those comparisons of like the past five years are starting lineups compared to this one. This is the best I've seen in, in 10 years. It has to be by far. Um, I think it's like perfection all around. Um, I think, of course, you got the young guys in DA and Mikhail Bridges who are still learning. And then, um, but besides that, man, you got the veterans. You got Booker, I mean, Chris Paul and the Crowder. Like, yeah. that is just the ultimate trio that you would want to see in the lineup. How about you before we get into how good that stadium or arena and court looked? Oh yeah. Uh, no, it was, it was great. And it was great to see DA aggressive early. You know, he was part of that early 12 Oh run that put the suns up. Uh, you know, I, I, I forget what the score is, you know, they're up 14 or something early, but it was just, it was nice to see you're like, Oh shit, this is what it, it could nice. be. Now, obviously in the second quarter, you know, the Lakers said, Hey, we're the Los Angeles Lakers. We know how to play defense. We've got size and length. And then mm-hmm. everything kind of, uh, uh, change in the second quarter. You know, one, we had more of the bench playing, and two, the, the Lakers did a really good job of pushing everything to the perimeter. So it was a lot of those one and dones. You know, there was uh, no offensive board positioning, and the second team just wasn't as sharp. But I mean, ah, oh, that that starting unit just looked fantastic. It looked good, and then that floor. So it's weird. The floor when it was released, the first pictures, I was like, isn't this the same floor from last year? But I guess it is different. Is it how is it different on there? Like, what is I didn't go back to look, I should have just looked at last year's highlights, but I was like, what is different? But it looks so, great. <laughs> I did, I didn't look, but here's from memory. Here's what I thought was different. One, there was a two tone to it. Was it always two toned? Yeah, it was. I didn't like that, but this year it looks better. I think they it's a little bit it. lighter. The three point line is purple, the key is orange, the lines inside the key are white, the outside yeah. of the key is orange. So that's different. And then okay. it just looks bigger, obviously, because there's a bunch of different things on the outside, uh, or there's no seats up against the court, and you know, cameraman up there, so you can really the see lighting. the court. And the lighting, lighting yeah, the lighting oh, is different. Beautiful. I think the court looks uh, different because of the lighting in there. And I then the, so the, the the little press area is really short. Uh, so I mean, it just it looks great, and that that screen. Oh my god, I can't wait to get down to the stadium and see that screen. Man. I can't wait either, dude. I cannot wait to see that. I they said it's six times bigger, so. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> it's gonna be nice. Is, is that big though? Because that other screen was so tiny. It's like what is <laughs> six times of tiny? You know, I thought we were gonna have one of those ones that stretched out the court length, and then. But this is fine. This is kind of like I think what Utah has, which is it's plenty big. Yeah, it we'll get to clean. see our nostril hairs if we're on the big screen. If we're on the big screen, nostril hair city. I like it. I like it. Yes. Uh, what else do you have on uh, the Laker game? You know, I think that Booker's fouls in the first half. He had four of them, yes. playing a little too overly aggressive as Booker tends to do as we were just talking about 
Uh, that's one of those things that I noticed. Uh, again, the Lakers and their 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 ability to play defense is going to be uh, very vital for the Lakers' success and something that I hope the Suns kind of take a note from because we have the players to play defense. And if we want to shut teams down, you know, when we're not playing the Lakers, I really feel like this team does. I mean, seeing Jay Crowder out there, Jay Crowder looks great, man. Yeah, he brought it all together really defensively. Of course, offensively, he came out and knocked down two threes. I don't. I think he was three for four, three for five, something crazy like that. I like how he asked, like, what was he? And I could just like look at the stats. Yeah, 11 points, three for six from downtown. But he came out and he hit his first three, including one that was uh, he was fouled on. Yeah, and like he brought up the, the Lakers defense. Like they are very, very good, just like um, the Utah Jazz. But those are two teams that have been together since last year, really. So they, they know how to play. This is brand new again for the Suns, but hopefully it's permanent. And I think that defense is going to come around very nice. And what's cool is DA really even mentions too how he wants to be more improved on the defensive end. So that just leads to great offense, I think. I mean, it did in this game. I feel like he great, played great defense. He had the dunk on AD. Yeah. And like there was a couple more dunks and he just knew what to do. He was so confident. Every time he had the ball, he knew exactly where to go to for even the mid-range shot, the turnaround shot. Yep. Just quick. That's what we want is to quick. The hesitancy is really bad. EJ will tell you that all day. If you're going to think about it, take your time. It's going to make, make it worse for the shot. And I think he just, he was dominant because he just made the quick decisions, dude. That's exactly what he can do. He's, he's a smart guy. I think. Yeah. He's figuring it out. He's figuring yeah. it out. You know, <laughs> that Lakers, <laughs> that Lakers team though, man. I mean, it's, uh, they're, they're going to be a tough task to overcome, you know? Oh and I, I really feel though, you know, again, remember, no Cam Johnson, no Dario Saric. And somebody mentioned it a little bit earlier in the chat that, you know, Dario being out, that's that's a big deal, man. I mean, he is a playmaker when there's no playmakers on the court. Because that's one thing I really noticed as, as I looked at uh, the bench last night. Because the bench got a lot of play time. And yeah. I noticed there's no playmakers out there, man. Not from the guard position. We're not, that's our, we've, we've talked about it before. But actually yeah. seeing it was a little troublesome and, and scary. Yeah, I mean, uh, Javon Carter had two assists. Okay, the whole thing with Javon Carter, I think he has a chance. But what I love from Javon Carter is he keeps the dribble alive. And I don't know if people talk about that a lot, but he will weave in up. Uh, he will weave nice take. through. Nice take. Yeah. He, he will weave through the defense, basically just keeping the dribble alive, which is perfect. I mean, he's not a playmaker, but he will. he won't stop there like Ty Jerome you know, just covered. It looks like he's double teamed, but he's not. But Javon Carter just keeps it open for everybody. He wasn't really knocking down his shot. Still finished with what, 15 points? Yeah, 15 points. So that that's good. That's what you want from your backup point guard. I think he just, I think he's going to take the next yeah, step. But, really. but, but 26 minutes to get it. I mean, that's the difference. Javon Carter's not going to play 26 minutes yeah, well, during the regular season. Miss a lot of shots, but they look good. I mean, he can, when he's hot, dude, he can knock those down. So it's not going to be every night. I'm just no. saying, if we need a, a backup point guard, I think he's what we needed, obviously. Well, let's take a look at some of uh, the questions <laughs> and comments in the chat. Yes, sir. Uh, Steve Holler, are we ever going to see a full squad? Didn't have one for even one game last year. I think that's incorrect. I think there was one game. First game? Uh, yeah, the first game. No, I feel like even some somebody was out then. That's one thing to remember. You know, we talk about the depth of the Suns. We talk about all the opportunity that is around this team, and and there is a lot of depth and there is a lot of opportunity. Health is always going to be a factor with our team and every other team. We're never going to be fully healthy. That's why you need to have this depth, right? Yeah, I mean, we have it. I mean, it's it's going to be there, but you have to realize too, like just like uh, Etwan Moore is having a hard time right now. But then there's going to be that time where he comes around. 
and he's gonna be playing good. And I think Mikael Bridges was kind of having an off night against the Lakers, and people are like, "Hey, it would be a good idea to throw him on the bench." I saw that a few times. Like, All right, let's chill out. Not everyone in the starting lineup is gonna be great, but they're gonna have their own roles, and that starting lineup is gonna be perfect. The bench can, can figure it out. There's gonna be guys where you'll know if they have it or not, and they'll be pulled. Uh, Monty will probably hopefully do a really good job with that. We won't have to deal with any crap coming off the bench, but you have so many guys on that roster that can shoot. And I just want them to keep shooting the three. I know, like I mentioned before, Javon Carter had a hard time knocking him down, but he's the guy that can shoot at least 40% this year. I feel like from three, I really do. And I think that he will have that opportunity and like everybody else on that bench does too, as well. Well, and that's again, going to be the challenge for Monty is trying to figure out who that hot hand is and playing them at the right time. You know, it's almost like, Uh, a manager in major league baseball trying to pick the right reliever to come in and hoping that they pitch lights out. Cause you know, you can sit there and you can play one of those games. Um, like, uh, God, who did the Dodgers just beat in the world series? Oh, the Rays. And you can play one of those games like the Rays where you're going to do a bullpen game. But if one guy in that, in that link, in that chain link is weak, it's the opposition is going to flood through. And that's going to be one of those challenges for Monty is okay. You have campaign. Who's been out the past two two uh, games you got each Moore, you got Langston Galloway you got Javon Carter so you have all these guys who have a very similar skill set every one of them they're not playmakers campaign tries to be a playmaker a little bit but you know he's got kind of a, a little Elliot Kobo to him where he doesn't know if he should be playmaking or if he should be shooting so he kind of does both yeah. and when he gets hot he's great but that's all these guys none of them are true playmakers a lot of them are just small two guards so Monty's going to have to pull those right levers and hope that those guys come in and can and hit. And if you look at last night's game, you know, granted, this is garbage time. AD, Braun, they're out of the game. Okay. The, the, the score's tight late, and these guys are taking the shots and they're just not hitting them. You know, and again, it's a preseason game, so it doesn't really matter. But you'd like to see a couple of those shots go in so one of those guys can really kind of step up within that role and say, and Monty, you, you know that Monty's going to pull the, this lever consistently. You know, what made the Suns in the bubble? Uh, consistent was his rotations, Monty's rotations and how he managed those. Now, if everybody's healthy uh, from our, our guards on this team, it's going to be hard to pull those right levers all the time. And that's going to be really frustrating for Suns fans. It'll be a night where, you know, we're, we're up five. The second team comes in and he decided to go with campaign and Javon Carter. Well, guess what you got? You got some really good defensive play, but no playmaking. So Cam Johnson came in and wasn't, you know, didn't get off any good threes. Or, you know, perhaps in that scenario, Dario Sarch is kind of bringing the ball up and at least initiating the offense and there's an opportunity. And maybe that's kind of one of those really key cogs that we're missing right now. But if it's one of those nights where he's like, okay, he went with Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway and Etwan Moore comes out and goes, you know, 0 for 4 real quick, we're going to be jumping down their throat. And I think that that's, you know, that's what the coaches get paid to do is to figure out what those rotations are, understand who those hot guys are and then figure out how to, you know, who's going to be the playmaker when the playmakers are sitting on the bench catching their wind. Yeah. The key to it all though, is I think you got, you got to keep that starting five the way it is, unless there's injury COVID, anything like that. Like I'm just saying if sticks is coming in and he's putting up 10 and five off the bench or something cool. like that, just don't start him like over McKill or Jay Crowder. I feel like unless yeah. those guys are just playing totally poor, but like I, they're going to contribute in different ways. I don't think you can look at the box score like me, where I predict a guy to go 20 and 19, like <laughs> Mikel Bridge or whatever it was. But you have to, you have to be real with it. You have to say like, these are the best five that we have. And the rest are just, they're the bench players. Sarich, maybe Cam can maybe squeak their way in. Maybe even Jalen Smith, because a lot of people love this dude. So, but just leave the starting five as it is. I would love that to be consistent this season. 
Well, and I know we talked about it on earlier podcasts about how with the flexibility of this lineup, you know, Monty could potentially flex that starting five to play against different teams. And you had made that po- the the point then saying, Hey, no, stick with the starting five. And I agree with that. Now it's like these, these roles need to be Uber defined because yes. these guys need to fall within the confines of those roles in an effort to be the, the, to get the best out of them, to be the most successful that they can be. You know, if, if you got Langston Galloway and he's a pro at coming off pin downs, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's not a good playmaker, guess what? You put you pair him out there knowing that sticks can be your guy in the middle, uh, Sarich is your four, and he's coming down and initiating the offense because he's the one who can pass it to him when he comes off that pin down and he can hit that shot. I mean, so there's so much that we have we haven't even scratched the surface on what this team is truly capable of. We've seen wow. spurts of it, we've seen brief spurts of it, and then what we've seen is Monty just trying to throw guys out there, get them minutes, get their legs under them, and just see how they're how they shoot, see how their chemistry is with each other. You know, you saw it on one play where Chris Paul was you know drilling to the right and he was a little caught up, and he you know uh, Dem Booker fake to go to the basket and then stayed. And then Paul threw it out of bounds. Well, that was a play where where now Chris Paul knows that that goes into his, you know, his uh, memory bank and says, Hey, next time I'm stuck like that. And Devin Booker's like that. He's going to fake to get that guy off him to create space. And I can hit him right there. And that's two points. And that's what this team is going to have to do is, is, is learn on the fly in a condensed season in a condensed preseason in a like no training camp. And, you know, thankfully when you look at the beginning of the record for the Phoenix suns, that's one thing that plays in our favor. You know, we come out against the Mavericks and then it's two against the Kings. You got one against New Orleans. We play the Jazz again, the Nuggets, you know, but then you have that Eastern Conference swing where we're going to have the Pistons, the Pacers, the Wizards, the Hawks, you know, it, we're it's there's going to be opportunities for this team to really learn how to play with each other and gel. And I think that we're seeing the beginning of that here in the preseason, which is what you want. Yeah, but honestly, a lot of these teams are looking at Phoenix as a playoff team now. So they're going to bring it all every night. Oh, yeah. no, matter who, no matter who we're playing, when the Suns were the crappy team, we would play up or down to the competition. That's what a lot of, a lot of teams are going to do now. And it, it doesn't suck, but you saw it against the Lakers, dude. They're unstoppable. They just, they're an unstoppable force when they were playing well last night. Um, but just quick takeaways, too, from the game. I think that Jalen Smith... He knows how to draw fouls. I was talking about it earlier, but he seemed like a guy that knows how to draw the foul, which is he crazy. likes contact. He does. He loves that. And uh, yeah, know your role and shut your mouth. Basically, just, <laughs> just <laughs> keep, on, keep on teaching, dude. Keep on teaching because we're gonna see that all year long. And I love it, dude. It kind of when the Suns are kind of you know they're down in these games. I look at that and I'm just like, man, that makes me happy that these all all these guys are learning. Yeah. Uh, Iverson vlog says, I think Chris Paul ain't even trying to score much in preseason. He's trying to get his teammates going and see what they can do. And he'll cook once it counts. And that's 110%. You know, he's trying to figure out how to feed DA and build DA's confidence in him. You know, you saw it game over game. That was the impressive part. Uh, I think DA was talking about it today. You know how he wants to be, uh, the player that he's going to be. And Chris Paul is going to get him there. One of my favorite tweets that came out yesterday was from our buddy Espo. And he said, willing to admit that I'm an eight and stand. Also willing to admit they should have taken he who shall not be named number one. You can believe both. Aiden will go down as the best center in team history if he continues on his trajectory and will be a part of the next great Suns team. And I think that that's where we all need to be with, when it comes to DeAndre Aiden. We talked about it earlier, and we'll talk about it all season. This is a roller coaster. This is roller coaster season. Okay. Ups and downs for DA. There's going to be nights where he's going to come out and he's going to look like the most dominant center in the league because he has Chris Paul, because he has Devin Booker, 
because uh, he has an offense around him where guys have to stay home. They can't collapse in on him, and he's going to learn how to cook. There's going to be other nights where he's tired, where he's not as conditioned as well as he probably should be, where he doesn't put forth that effort enough, and that's going to be the frustrating part. But in the end game is this guy is one of the best centers in the game, and I truly believe that. Yeah, you, <clears throat> you're telling him to stay home, though. I mean, he's not James Harden. He's not going to fly to Vegas after every every game, you know, and party. It's it's a different kind of stay home. Okay. Different, different kind of stay home. <laughs> uh, one one guy I do have to talk about in this game who I think is quickly becoming kind of a a low key everybody is falling in love with. He's mm-hmm. the guy who wins the, the Jack Taylor Award for the guy who comes out of nowhere and scores a shit ton of points on you. And that is Taylor Horton Tucker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, THT, man. This guy is having a, a phenomenal preseason. He's kind of the the love of everybody on the national media spotlight. And he came out, played 24 minutes against the Suns, 7 for 11, 18 points. Uh, is this a guy who the Suns should really be concerned with moving forward for the next few years? Because he's young and he just, you know, he's one of the, he's a classic developed guy. We'll see. He his game is ridiculous. On the floor, he knew where to be, where to pass, where to shoot. Everything he was doing was perfect. You couldn't stop him. He was unstoppable. The only thing that's going to stop him, really, I I hear like he has like an attitude thing or whatever, something like that. Who knows? But once this team's kind of bro- broken up, where LeBron leaves and he's still there, I'm not saying he's going to take this team to the next level when LeBron leaves or anything like that. It, it might go, <clears throat> it might go downhill from there. And I think I'm sorry, I cleared my throat into the mic. That's totally rude of me. But this so guy, this guy's the reason they won last night, man. He was unstoppable. And I know Jay Duds hit a three, but this guy, he he seriously knew how to run that offense. And I don't know how long they've been playing together, which is nothing like every other team, but he knew what to do. And he was a scary guy to watch. The rich get richer, don't they? <laughs> they do. Uh, but I, I do like that you're talking about the end of the tunnel for the Lakers, you know, the the team that bought themselves a championship. You know, it's, I was listening to, I think it was Bill Simmons today. Yeah. And I, I listen to a lot of the, the book of basketballs. Have you, have you ever listened to that podcast? Yeah. Oh, no, God, yeah. Good. this season I'm only listening to one though, but which one did you listen to? It was the CP3 one. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Chris Paul. That's, that's great. Well, he was doing Chris Weber today and he was talking a lot about, uh, you know, the difference between developing a championship and buying a championship and, you know, hired guns, if you will, and the Suns, you know, I, I still with, with CP3 coming here, I don't feel like we're a hired guns kind of championship no, contender so. when, if and when that time comes, you know, going through the struggles with D-Book, going through the current struggles with DA, uh, it's just, it's funny. It, it's it's what's going to make it worthwhile when it's all, when it's all said and done. Um, after the game, you know, we reached out on Twitter and we asked our Jamster faithful their thoughts on the state of the Suns following that Wednesday preseason loss to the Lakers. And here's what some of them said. So I'm going to read off some of the quotes and you just kind of give me your takes on those. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. We have at uh, Kale Bivy FF said, everything is positive from my perspective. More has been a little hot and cold running point for the twos, but not really fair to judge because it's more like threes. He's out there with out cam Sarge or any starters i read that horribly didn't i <laughs> no that's the way it's written it is the way it's written <laughs> so yeah that's, that's my thoughts <laughs> i mean essentially what he's saying is you know Moore's out there he, he's a little hot and he's a little cold uh running point uh for the for the second team but it's not yeah. fair to judge because the the whole second team's not out there cam and Sarge aren't out there so you really don't know who he is 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, this the second union, like I brought up before with defense, they're not around each other. They're not really playing in games consistently together. So it's, it's going to be harder for the second unit, dude. And like I said before, Etoile Moore will come in and have those good games this year. And we just don't know. He's not that playmaker. He's just a shooter. So he's going to shoot the lights out one of these games, maybe two or three. Yeah, he'll. We we might win a game or two because of him. Uh, yeah, yeah Vin, Vin, definitely in the chat. They need to do a book of basketball on Tom Chambers and KJ. Oh man, we need to let Bill Simmons know that. That would be great to get either one of those. I would just love to have one that's like totally reminding us of how the Suns got crushed in the late '80s and '90s to the, those Lakers teams. They'll do uh, it. Aaron Ross on Twitter said Etwan cannot run an offense, and his lobs are going to get someone killed. Aiden looks like he's not only heard, but listened to CP, Book, and Monty after a rough game Monday. Yeah. Dude, this whole team, they're listening to each other. Like, you see them talking, and even CP3 is listening. So, I mean, Aiden's going to have to listen. If everyone's listening and cooperating, why would he not? So, he has to, and the whole rest of the team has to, too, as well. So, that's what I love the most about this game, this team right now. All right. Pro, Aiden being aggressive and looking to score. Con, bench scoring. But that will come when Sarge and Cam Johnson returns. Yeah, I think so. I think, okay, so Cam's really good. I want to get your take, too. Cam, he might be just one of those guys, too, that come out and have a good game here or there. Like, he's not going to be consistent either, but we'll see. I'm just saying, he's still a shooter as well. He's still working on his game. But I just, I think if people are expecting a lot more from Cam Johnson this year than I am, where I just think he's going to have, like, five or six really, really freaking awesome games. Well, remember, Cam Johnson's in year two. So I can completely yeah. agree, I can agree with fine. your take. He's, he's not going to be a, cons, a constant and consistent flamethrower, but he's going to be somebody who has the size and the ability to do so, and he's going to get those minutes. He's going to get the opportunity to develop. That's one of those things going into the 2020-2021 season I'm really looking forward to is the jump that Mikhail made from year one to year two. I really want to see that with Cam. I think the frustrating thing is following his little injury that he got in game one against Utah. We haven't had the ability to see him in these ne- these last two games. And the team hurts because of it. You know, he can he can take it to the hoop, and that's what he showed us in the first game. You know, almost at to a fault. So that's something he's trying out. Is I want to try to you know do the pump fake and see how I can get navigate the lane and get to the hoop. But he also can shoot all day. So he's yeah. going to be somebody who's going to be absolutely clutch for this team moving forward. Um, but someone we shouldn't expect to come out and you know if he shoot if he shoots forty three percent from three, man, that's a win. But my expectations will probably be a 37 to 40% uh, three-point shooter coming off the bench all season. Yeah, he'll be above 40, I hope. Yes. Yes. Me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> Stefano, the Suns did beat the Lakers in 1990. And if I remember correctly, they lost to the Blazers that year. If I remember correctly. Robinson. What's that? With Clifford Robinson? No, no. Well, maybe. Maybe a young Cliff, but definitely uh, – Terry Porter and uh, Clyde Drexler back then. Mm-hmm. All right. A couple more comments from the Jamster faithful uh, Crowder communication and reads on defense is insane. Point book with shooters on the court is just it. Eight and attacking and being aggressive. All big pros cons are. We are, we still lack a bit of connection. The bench struggled. Won't judge this without Johnson Payne and Sarge. So it's nice <laughs> to see that sun Twitter is being understanding what's going on. Notice that I'm not reading any of the Facebook comments. Because they just go off the wall really quick, really fast. Yeah, you got to stay away from the comments, dude. But that's going to be this whole season. There's always going to be like those two or three players not playing. I think that's just going to wait. Going to be the way it is. But it doesn't Jake Crowder? He just like lays it in there on defense and offense. He's just like in there, you know. Yes. Kelly before, which is like oh, oh, like after every play, you just over dramatic, maybe too much. I think Crowder is just so simple, and he just gets the job done. 
Yes. That makes no um, sense. I hope no, it does. No, it completely does. No, it completely does, man. Crowder, the way that he attacks it both on offense and defense, he's in the game. He's locked in at all times. Mm-hmm. He's locked in on his defender. He's locked in on weak side defenses. Like It's fun watching him play. And granted, this is only a few plays that we've seen, but I've seen him play you know, for the past seven, eight seasons in a lot of high leverage situations in playoff basketball. And this guy is a seasoned veteran and a great yeah. addition to this team. Like We are very, very quickly going to forget about Kelly Oubre. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like we already do until we see him on the court. Once we see him on the court, it's like, oh, dude, I miss that guy. He's still the same Kelly. We, I mean, he's still fun to watch sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, he bobs the hair and such. Uh, and checking back in with Vince Stefanelli. Yes, Portland and the Suns killer, Terry Porter. See, I know my yeah. history. I'm you, know, you know more than I do. I was around then those times, and I definitely remember them. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. You were like one in 1990. So yeah. it's shoosh season for Matthew. <laughs> Uh, last one. Uh, I don't understand the overwhelming love for Javon. This is coming from, uh, at Kurt bad walkie I'm mm. so bad at reading names. Why can't people just have normal names like Darth Voita or Matthew Lissy? Or Matthew Lissy. <laughs> I don't understand the overwhelming love for Javon. I'm so nervous when he has the ball. Can we honestly do better than that? I feel very comfortable with him having the ball. That's just me. I feel like I'm the only one on this little island with Javon Carter being like a really good backup point guard that I can trust. He's had some issues too with the with the other teammates as well. But I mean, that's Chris Paul's turning the ball over too. So I'm just saying it's it's going to take some time. But I think Javon he has a higher ceiling than people think. I do. I, I think so too. Um, I think the overwhelming love for Javon though comes from defense. I mean. If you, this might be somebody who's new to the fan base. If you weren't here last year, Javon Carter is a dog on defense. He will get in the guy's shorts for 90 feet the whole time. He's a pest. He's somebody who you want to come in the game and tire out the opposing two or a point guard on the other team, whether it's their first team or their second team guy. So, uh, as, as blaze Megatron says, Javon is a legend. This guy's take sucks. So, uh, I didn't want to. I, I, I don't want to come out here and call anybody out, but uh, I thought that was something kind of interesting. All right, Matthew, Suns versus Lakers, 8 p.m. tomorrow, the final game of preseason basketball. Uh, what should we expect, man? I expect, what do you think, three full co- quarters from these guys, maybe? I think the Suns at least. I think the Lakers will do the same thing, but because yeah. it could be off and off for the Lakers, but three full quarters, I think. Uh, they almost did it last time. I think they almost played the three full quarters, but maybe like 30 minutes plus for each of the starters. I think they need it. They they were close this last game. So yeah. One more game to get in there and then take it, take off from game one. Well, I, th- I think it might be four quarters now, not full quarters uh, from a, from a minutes standpoint, but I think the back end of the game that f- those fourth quarter minutes, if they have a little weight to them, I feel like Monty might keep Booker and Paul and Aiton out there for a little bit longer and just say, Hey, you know, navigate some of these minutes in a close game with under five minutes. You know, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Maybe a longer break from the third going into the fourth, but perhaps, uh, having that opportunity to try to close out a game and get one under the belt in the preseason, although it doesn't matter. So, I think that that's something that'll uh, it, it, we'll we'll see if it actually happens, but something to keep an eye on when yeah, the Suns take them on. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. You want to do a little mailbag, Matthew? Yeah, let's do it. All right, mailbag. Remember, folks, that you can email the show Suns Jam Session at gmail.com. You can visit Suns Jet Suns Jam Session.com, or you can hit us up on Twitter at Suns Jam. 
All right. The first one I want to bring up is from Todd Jacobson via Facebook. He said, when do you think the real regular season will start this year? The NFL felt like it was in preseason until mid to late October with a limited training camp. Will it be something similar in the NBA? Great question, Todd. Matthew, what do you think? I think it depends which team you're watching, right? I mean, I think that in the West, you you have to play every game you can. I mean, especially in the East, I feel like the East is going to be way better than people think this year. So it has to start soon. A lot of these teams, especially for the Suns, game one, you have to take every game you can. So I'm, I'm expecting it to be from game one, a lot of the NBA. I think a lot of these guys are excited to play. I mean, the Clippers, even though they they rest their players, they're going to be looking to like have some for some backlash, I think, after last season. So... I just I think it's gonna be game one. What about you, John? I think it's gonna take uh, probably about the first month. Well, let's say three quarters of the first month. So essentially, what I'm saying is mid January, by about MLK Day, we're really gonna see a lot of these teams have their uh, their legs underneath them, if you will. You know, it's it's gonna take yeah. a while for that for that to happen. You know, and that's why again that depth of the Suns having the ability to just throw guys out there and give other guys rest is gonna be huge for this team. Uh, so I think about MLK Day is when we probably will start to see the Suns and the rest of the league really start to play what looks like basketball. I think so too, dude. Our, our last question comes via Twitter, and this is from at the Vengeance 6 It says, since the Suns have one roster spot open, should they use it on a real backup point guard like Shabazz Napier or Jordan McLaughlin? Uh, maybe Napier seems a little bit interesting, but I don't think you can. He's a little bit undersized. McLaughlin, I don't really know, dude. I think we have what we need in Javon and the other guys too as well. So I'm saying no. What about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jordan McLaughlin's 5'11". So, uh, he's really undersized. Uh, Shabazz is six foot. So, you know, I get it. Those guys are more, are, are more distributors. I honestly think that if season progresses the way that we want it to, and this is the key here. You know, I think they they announced today that the trade deadline is March 25th, if I'm not mistaken. If the season progresses the way that we want it to, we have some assets. We can move to perhaps make a trade for somebody who's more of a playmaker. You know, if, if Etwan Moore isn't playing, you know, up to the level that we want. Uh, if Damian Jones, who's someone who we haven't mentioned, I really like Damian Jones so far, by the way. Do you? Yeah. No, I do too. I, I think there's... It's tough in the preseason, but I like his attitude and I like his play on the court. I really do. His hustle's great. Yeah. So I think that, you know, if there's a couple guys on the bench who just aren't really assisting the team or there's not a need for, we might have the ability to trade and get that backup playmaker. I don't know if going out and getting, you know, Shabazz Napier or getting uh, Jordan McLaughlin is necessarily the answer because whose Uh minutes are they going to take? You want to see what campaign's going to do. You want to see what JC is going to do more in Galloway. I mean, you want to see what these guys are going to do. You know, yeah, we're having an issue from a a backup standpoint of uh, playmaking. But as I mentioned, you know, you have Dario Sarge. You have the guys who can come in. You Booker can play the three in some of those lineups and still be the distributor. So, yeah, I just, yeah, just mark this because I really think Javon's going to take over that playmaking. I really do. I just think he's learning behind CP3. How much worse can he get? Or, you know, he can only get so much more better, I think, with him. With CP3. Yeah, no, I I, I, I agree, man. I mean, that's what a great guy for Javon to learn under. Oh, it's perfect. It's like they look ideal. Like the same. They're together. Number 34 together. <laughs> like, they look the same on the court. Yeah, wouldn't it. that be amazing if somehow, some way, 
Javon Carter became this like great distributor learning from CP three, like everything just clicks for him and he becomes a great, Oh my God, that would just be, yeah. That, that's the kind of things that, you know, it's like Giannis, you know, when, when the bucks drafted Giannis at 13, there's no way that they knew he was going to be what he is today. They knew he had an opportunity to be good. They didn't know he was going to be, you know, a MVP and, you know, he's going to be their next max guy. So that'd be great yeah. if uh JC, it turned out for, for C four there. That'd be amazing. Uh, Blaze Megatron wants He said, Hey Matt, much love for the Sark jersey in the um, in the, in the back. Think of getting yeah. the new Valley jersey with Sark on it. You want to show our listeners that jersey up close and personal? Yeah, I can't get up though. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, I can. And it's funny because I was actually thinking about that on the way home from work today. The Valley jersey is Sarge. That's so weird. Hold on. Well, he also said kidding. <laughs> but go ahead and show us. All right. So just so you guys know, okay. um, this is actually a Josh Jackson jersey. Where Matthew uh, put tape on the back and wrote Sarge because <laughs> he got that he got that Josh Jackson jersey for Christmas a couple years ago, yeah. and that that very quickly became something that uh, he wanted to get rid of. So <laughs> champions adjust, man. Champions adjust. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Anything else for the listeners for the Suns Jamps are faithful out there, Matthew? You know what? I I just I can't wait to get the season started, dude. I sit here at work. I'm not at work right now, but I sit there at work and I just think about it all day. It gets me motivated. You know, usually people want to start a family, have a family, but I just want to watch the sons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. What, about you, man? what else you got? Oh, not much, man. Super excited. Uh, I actually just got done. I rewatched the last dance again. Did you just, Oh, I just, I started watching it one night on Netflix and it just, next thing you know, it's like two in the morning. I'm, I'm five IPAs and two glasses of whiskey later. And, I mean, it ruined my Monday. It was after we recorded the pod <laughs> on Sunday. I just started watching it. And man, that's such a good documentary, except for like episode seven, yeah. when you have to watch the Suns lose into the Paxton shot. But outside of that, I mean, ugh. It's, but that's a, you know, a, again, you know, uh, oh, this is a great question. Iverson Vlogs, yeah. are you guys going live after Wednesday's game against the Mavericks? Matthew, we are. We are. We are. So once that game ends, come right back here. This is We're going to go live. That's why it's very key for you to, to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the little bell, too. That lets you know when we go live because we'll still probably do our Thursday podcast the next day. But we just we want to have a quick recap and we want to talk with you Suns fans about what you saw and, and, and what your thoughts are following that game one of the 2020-2021 season against the Dallas Mavericks and Luka fucking Doncic. So yeah. tune I'm in. Like, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I'm just like, I'm stoked already for that oh. game. Yeah, I was going to say, go uh, go ahead and mark. I think the Suns are definitely going to take that game. We'll have predictions next pod. But yeah. I think that um, I'm going to probably, I might be in a titty bar or something, but we'll have a bunch of sensors and stuff. So the Perfect. kids can watch. So it's going to be late. It is It is an adult program. Um, we do <laughs> drop F-bombs, but we do censor titties, right? All right, good good job, Matthew. <laughs> we, we've officially gone there on the pod. I'm, I'm proud of you and disappointed at you at the same time. <laughs> Uh, this is a reminder to all of you to uh, follow the, the show at Suns Jam on Instagram and Twitter. Um, remember to subscribe to the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network wherever you are, as well as on YouTube. Um, yeah, uh, Todd, Thursday is Christmas Eve. Are you doing a podcast 8 p.m. Christmas Eve? Probably. Oh, we'll be at your mom's. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. I don't we know. We'll, 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 we'll see. Yeah. We're champions. We adjust. Be lazy about it. We, won't, we won't be lazy about it. We'll we'll be there for the fans, for the jamsters. No, we, we put the work in, man. We love doing this, so we'll probably be doing it on Christmas Eve. 
But uh, yeah, tune in on Sunday, uh, 8, 8 p.m. We're going to be doing our prediction pod for the 2020-21 season. Um, that's all I got. This beer's damn near empty, so time to go get another one. Take care, Jamsters. All right, everyone go home and love your family. Amen.